Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, Noy, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And who do you work for? So, hi, I'm Noy. I'm uh, working for a company called Optimove. We're a customer-first marketing platform. We are focused on, on making sure that brands put the customers first. And my role within the company is to lead an R&D group that's responsible for real-time data ingestion and real-time campaign execution. Wow. Being a real-time engineer in the past myself, I kind of get the concept of having to adapt to the situation as it is, as information flows in. So describe to us a use case of what that looks like. What would be an example of this? So let's say your end user or end customer has... You, you have an e-commerce site and in your end user is, is purchasing, adding to their cart more and more items from your stock. And you want to track this activity. You want to make sure that you understand which items do they add to their cart. Kind of understand the need behind this purchase, behind this journey to your virtual store. And based on past purchases or similar carts that you've already seen in the past, when the user gets to the checkout screen, you want to recommend on additional products that they can add to their cart that will be useful for them, right? Our point in, in modern marketing is not to force feed the customers with products that they don't need and create pollution. And, and you know, sustainability is a big thing nowadays. So we want to make sure that you advertise the right things to promote the right consumer behavior that will benefit you as a business and will benefit the, the user as, as, a, as a consumer of your product. And so to be able to make those decisions and, 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 and understandings in real time is something that hasn't, it, it, a few years ago, it wasn't even possible, right? The, the computation alone would cost you too much. It was a privilege reserved to just the top few companies in the world. But nowadays, the you know modern technology and modern infrastructure is cheaper. So mm. we're taking advantage of that and, and making sure that everyone can have the access to those real-time insights that can eventually get to the point where the end user get to the checkout screen. They will be presented with the recommended items that will actually make the most sense and will have the greatest chance to convert into additional purchases. Wow, fantastic. It's almost like the analogy that I've got here. You know, when you go to a supermarket and as you get to the checkout, you have those display of chocolates and, and products that you might buy as a kind of spontaneous purchase. Yes. And the additional thing here I love is that you're kind of democratizing this cutting edge. You're you're making this available to more people, more companies to take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, marketing, you know, marketing is a big space. There, there are a lot of players, a lot of companies, and, and everyone has their shtick. Everyone has their agenda. And I think that what makes me, well, I don't know if comfortable is the right word, word but what makes me proud of the brand that I'm working for is that putting the customer first, I work in waitering jobs and, and serving people and, and in the food industry, it's so important to understand what your customer wants before they ask for it. 
mm. so that they can give them the experience that they want. They go out of their home, they pay for the babysitter, they, they put all this effort into having a lovely evening. And then if your waiter is just there to, you know, pass plates from the kitchen to your table, you're not getting the desperate juge that you're looking for in your evening out. Yes. Why not translate that wonderful experience that we can give people in world to the virtual world? And that's the kind of thing I, I love about Optimus. So Noi, Optimove sounds like they're doing some fantastic stuff. And I'm sure there's some people listening to this podcast right now interested in your technology. So I hope they check you out and see what solution you are providing to the market. Some much needed changes to democratize this technology. But what I'd like to do right now is shine a spotlight on you. I'm interested in your tech journey. How did you get to the position you are in right now? So actually, I was, I was really fascinated by space. I learned coding since I was little. My parents really pushed me towards computer engineering and software engineering, but I really wanted to build spaceships. And uh, when I got to the academy after three semesters, I realized that like the journey is, is long. The journey is going to be tedious. Mm. There's so much aerodynamics involved in building a spaceship. Right. So I fell back to, to my uh, hard-earned skill of high school education, and I tried my luck in the industry. And, and you know what? It actually worked. My background, previous experience, and eventually just willingness to work hard and put in the hours mm. helped me push forward through the ranks and move up through the ranks. And um, and so, yeah, so I went on from being an, a mobile developer to, to backend engineer, to data engineer, to, to, to leading teams, then uh, leading groups. And uh, now I'm here. Fantastic. Love it. And great to have you on CTO Confession to kind of share your story. I've got some great topics to discuss around that. So in your leadership, the, the, the leadership style that you've developed, how do you roll as a leader? What's your style? <laughs> it's, a, it's a very good question. You know, I think it's always evolving. I think it also has to be very reactive to the people that I'm working with. If I'm working in a company where my peers are more on, on the micromanagement side, which I think has its place, like there, there are some certain benefits to being a micromanager. But if they're leaning towards more towards that side, I would prefer to go and focus on the empowerment aspect. Mm. Let people have the room to breathe, uh, kind of shield them from the you know daily status routine and, and focus on what they can do as, as professionals and, and how can they grow as leaders. And, and if I see that the company is leaning more towards the, the growth and empowerment side, then I will just be the bad guy that checks the status every now and then and make sure that everything is ticking as it should tick. Yeah, I like the style, very adaptive and very agile, if I may say so myself. And as a tech leader, what's the thing that keeps you up at night? I think learning and getting to the point where where you balance out experience and, and curiosity. I find out that some of my, my colleagues that have more experience and been in the industry and, and worked in, in various companies, they tend to get comfortable, right? They tend to not question the things around them with the technological choices or even the management decisions that sometimes need to be questioning, right? It's important that we ask questions and it's important that we challenge the system, even if we look up, not just looking down at our employees. So when I look at the, the more experienced employees, they get comfortable and they don't ask enough questions. But when I look at the younger ones, they feel insecure about their, their place in the company because they don't have the experience that mm. the more experienced team members have, the senior members have. And so they won't ask questions because they think that this question might portray them as stupid, hmm. right? And that's the kind of the thing that, that bothers me, that everyone should be entitled to ask questions. You should have the ability to contribute, not just your technical expertise, but your human intuition. Yes. There's a saying around kind of questions is that you can't know what you don't know. Therefore, you have to ask a question. 
And I think sometimes as leaders, we need to see that in people as well. If they ask what we consider to be, oh my God, are you asking me that question? It's to be okay with it. They're asking because they don't know. Obviously, there's a there's a balance between somebody being lazy and not figuring it out for themselves. And again, it's that adapting to that. But uh, right. yeah, I think, I think yeah. it's good to get people to speak, to speak their truth, where they are, what's going on with them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, it's uh, being able to encourage that with without. I think one of, one of the sentences that annoy me personally the most is when I hear someone tells another member of the, like another team member, I've already explained this once. I don't want to explain it again. Yes, yes. It's, it's such a horrible sentence to say to another human being that, that is trying to get information so that, you know, to create a, a more productive uh, workplace. Yes. So yeah, explain it again. You, you were so good at it. So, you know, give it another shot. Yes, that's right. And people aren't going to come back asking again unless they, they are completely lazy because most people aren't. They just don't know. They just don't know. They want help. They need help. And as leaders, we need to be there to kind of serve them in that support right. to get them going. So uh, all you leaders out there, please take this advice and try to eliminate that sentence from your vocabulary and set of language tools. So I've got to hear a question around how do you get the best out of your teams? What's, what's the thing that you do to get most collaboration and get people empowered? We talked about empowerment a second ago. Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think I'm far from from solving this, this uh, formula, <laughs> how to make people how to make people collaborate better. But I think what I find when talking, when talking to, to, other, to, to various people and, and working in different companies is that curiosity is key here. I think I've said it before, but I think there is so much value to curiosity and to encouraging professional curiosity and showing people that, that there is, even if they know the technology that they're working with, for example, Node.js, there might be something different. There might be a different aspect in, in how you write code in that technology. Or if you've been working in, in architecting systems, maybe there's a new cloud provider that can give you the solution, a different solution than what you're looking for. And and the trick is, is to suggest that there is something that might be better or at least is different out there mm. without insinuating that you're questioning their professional integrity. I guess what comes up for me there is it's not what you say, it's how you say it. That kind of art of, of communicating, your curiosity. I think that's a really good point. And I've got some notes here, Noi, around the company that you're working for and your kind of journey, because you've been involved in startups in the past as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just out of curiosity, is Optimove a startup? Is it something that's been growing from kind of small beginnings? Yes, well, we're, we're a startup. We're a private company. Our growth in last year, headcount growth was was more than 50%. So we're definitely experiencing the highs and lows of of being in a startup. But I think what was different about Optimum, what is still different, is that Optimum was bootstrapped from the get-go. So profitability was something that has... That is profitability is something that is built into the DNA of the company from day one. So when I looked to move uh, from the previous startup company that I was working for, one of the interesting thing is that you look at a company that is going through this different route of, of being of understanding that well yeah we're a business we need to be sustainable for the long term sustainable financially financially and 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 the thing that it did to the culture right the thing it did to culture because when when you think about how to how to be able to stand on your own to fit you're looking also to hire people that will stay with you for a longer time. 
and the average lifetime of, of an employee here in Optimov is high, so so much higher than the standard in the company. We're looking at, we have people here that have been working for four, five, six, seven years. Oh. It's, yeah, nowadays it's, it's in tech companies, I think it's unheard of. At least 60 minutes. Up. <laughs> 60 minutes I'm only joking yeah um, yeah and, and you know what it, it's it's wonderful to see that it's wonderful to speak to those people who um, who grew with the company and the company recognizes their growth and their contribution and 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 promotes them right there is a lot of promotion from within and I think it's it's wonderful to see that so Noi in service of the tech leaders listening to this podcast and for myself because I'm a learner how do you retain your staff if people are staying for like longer periods? What's going on in your space? What's the magic dust that you're sprinkling into the company that's causing people to want to stay? You know what? I, I don't think anyone knows for sure what's happening. I think that that everyone has a different answer when they're asked this question, when you ask the people who are staying here for that long. But the key is respect. I think the key point is respect that is being shown from the upper management, from the executive management, all the way down to every engineer and employee that's working here, respect towards their time, you know, respect towards their free time, but also respect towards their need to grow professionally and, and kind of understand that depending on where the point in the career that you hire someone, it should be, you, you should reflect their career growth based on the point where you hire them. If you hire a student, you should show them, give them the, the, the safe space to make mistakes and, and try things out. If you're hiring someone experienced, you give you need to give them the platform to make a difference and to quickly affect the company and, and its and, and its decision making process because you hire them for their professional for professional experience. Mm. And I actually worked in Optimov more almost three years ago, and I, I was working here for three years. I left Optimov because I felt I need to to grow to to other areas in my career. I need to experience hyper mode hyper growth startup. So I left. And when I felt that I was I was uh, good, like I got I got to my goals and I achieved my my goals of working in a hyper in a hyper growth company. And I was thinking about my next challenge. I wasn't that surprised that Optimus came up on the list. And I wasn't that surprised that that I I looked into going back to this company that I thought was was so big on on you know on respect and and communication that sometimes i thought it was it was uh, working against the company sometimes i thought we were speaking too much or we were you know considering everyone's feeling maybe a little too much and eventually we needed to like i expected the managers you know to put, pull their pants up and make the decision but having seen the other side out of the coin and, and going back to optimum i was really curious about looking at the company and its culture from this perspective so what, so when I when I talk about why people stay in Optimove and why people come back to Optimove, I think the key thing is that you feel appreciated as a human being and as a professional, and you see the company is reactive and responsive to your needs and your career growth. Love it. I love it. It's very human centric. As audience know, I'm a very human centric kind of person myself. It sounds like Optimove is like that. You're very human centric. And I think it's about getting back to what companies really are, which is a collection of people, a bag of people trying to get something done collectively. And all those things that make us human to kind of exercise them, respect, appreciation, to be seen, to be heard. So it's fantastic. And what I love about this is that those elements create a gravity around the organization. You've got to get drawn back in. Yeah. 
uh, I made a note here on my notes here, respect has gravity. Yeah. And I love that. And I think that's the great experience of going to other companies and then being drawn back is you get that contrast of what is what you have. The grass always looks greener on the other side, but to actually right. go back and think, well, actually, this isn't too bad. So thank you for sharing that. This is, this is great stuff for our tech leaders out there. So Noi, we also talked offline around hypergrowth. You kind of mentioned a little bit at the moment here, you know, working with startups and what have you. So hypergrowth to healthy growth, because I can imagine that all companies want to grow and they want to grow as fast as they can. You know, you see those exponential curves off to infinity yeah. and beyond. Yeah. That sounds great, but I imagine that's not always great in reality. It creates all kinds of problems and potentially, I guess, creates an exponential crash if you're not careful as well. What's your thoughts on hypergrowth and healthy growth? The grass is always greener applies very well, I think, in, in this question. When you're in that one, you're thinking about the other. And, and is it better to be in hyper growth mode right now or should I be in a healthier growth mode right now? I think that the difference of like we're talking about, how do you know that you're in one or the other is when you look at what is your holy grail? Like, what are you why are you making what as an organization are you making sacred and you're not willing to give up on? Is it? getting features or new capabilities out into the market as fast as you can or if you're um if you're getting if, if the point is to make sure that you're getting the right things out it's mm. like the question is it quantity versus quality i think from an engineering perspective from an r d perspective that's the thing that i'm noticing uh that helps me notice if i'm in hyper growth or or healthy growth mode and i think maybe maybe healthy growth is, is kind of insinuating that uh that we're pro healthy growth but I think again, hyper growth has its time and place because sometimes you you look at a company. A company is an entity that is meant to make money. Eventually, mm -hmm. we all wanna. Everyone involved in the company, the the you know the shareholders, the employees that have stock options in startups that that motivate them to to enjoy the the success of the company. Mm -hmm. We all want to make sure that the company stays alive and is successful and profitable. So sometimes you need to put the pedal to the metal and, and just push hard and make sure that you just you're reacting to the market and reacting to the to customer needs just to make sure and, and make sure that you you put your foot out there even if it's not your best foot even if you you know <laughs> right. three and a half toes but you know what maybe three and a half toes are good enough for now and the customers are willing to wait for the other one and a half yes i agree with you you know there's a balance i always think of things on a continuum you know you have hyper growth like ultra hyper growth exponential and then you have kind of uh, no growth and in between there's that kind of organic growing as you were and taking advantage of what's in the market and what the customer needs sometimes you need to just get out there if, it, if there's a need for it then fill the space you know fill that need uh, a perspective we can have is that you know how dare we not do this how dare we not deliver this feature because people are screaming out for this we need to help them yeah and eventually you get it out and you see that no everyone was screaming but no but no one really wants to use it and that's mm -hmm. you know that's kind of the, the downside of being in hyper growth you miss you're probably going to miss most of the time and mm -hmm. in healthy you ask a question you interview the customers you know you collect evidence that your decision is not just based on gut, gut feeling yes. and i think that you know when when you look at at what's where employees flourish the most Obviously, we're looking, I think, obviously, it, it's in the healthy growth areas because when the discussion is evidence-based, everyone can contribute because everyone can gather evidence and bring them forth to the table and present their opinions based on the evidence that they've collected. And and my evidence is not different than the CEO's evidence. He mm. might have a better access to more evidence, but eventually, if I bring something that proves or disproves his, his hypothesis, in healthy growth environment, I have the platform to do that. In hyper growth, you're running based on the gut feeling of the top few executives.
Yes, that's right. So I've got a counter question here. It's got my gut wants to, I, I'm going to go with my gut right now. It's not evidence-based, but I, I feel like asking the questions that, is it sometimes okay to go with your gut? Sometimes people have a feeling that, oh, this is the right thing. I, I feel it in the space. Well, yes, I think it's a tricky one because when you're basing gut feelings are, I think when we, when we get to the, I don't, I don't know if it's neurological, philosophical, I'm not an expert, so let's call it philosophical. Uh, but what what is gut feeling, right? It's your subconscious interpreting evidence around you based on past experiences mm. and then giving you a decision or an intuition that is based on those very subconscious, subtle clues that you collect from anywhere, everywhere. So even gut feeling at, 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 at its root is based on evidence. Mm. Uh, that's, I think that's, you know, that's from my reading and my understanding, that's how you, the human brain works. Yes. So when you're talking about who is in a company, again, served to the, its purpose is to make the shareholders wealthier and to make everyone who's involved in the company wealthier. Um, gut feel, who's entitled to, to the gut feeling where you're, you're exposed to the correct surroundings, right? You're, yes. You need to be exposed to the correct environment so that you will have the correct intuition. So usually executives will be the ones who are exposed to the right market conditions, competitive, they will they will know, you know, they know what's happening in the bank account, they know what the shareholders want and need, and the, you know, the, your common R&D engineer is not simply, can't compete with that because they simply are not yes. positioned where they their gut will be exposed to those, to those yeah. That's yeah. right. I love how you put that. The information maybe needs to be made available. Or well, some people are party to that information, which kind of makes me think about the coaching world, which I kind of reside in. One of the things that we talk about, that gut feeling, is, is that it's an intuition kicking in. It is kicking off based on information that is in the space. It's like a, it's a feeling. And I guess the key thing then is to go away and to try and confirm that feeling, to say, well, I have a feeling. I need to go away and research this and come up with the reasoning behind maybe doing something. I don't know. It's just a yeah. thought out there for our leaders. So this is wonderful conversation. I'm going to now bring us, unfortunately, to the closing arc of the podcast, which is some nice warm questions, which uh, hopefully are going to be fun and interesting for our audience out there. What advice would you give to aspiring tech leaders based on your journey, based on your experience? There is a, there is a book, I think it's called Five Years, The Five-Year Plan or Five Years or something. Very short book, small red cover, and it helps you focus, right? It helps you achieve focus on, on what are your goals and how to get to these goals. And I guess it's a kind of a cheesy framework that, that a lot of people are using and promoting. Um, but you know what? It worked for me. It just worked for me as, as someone who, who came from, well, you know, it's it was a disadvantage when you, when you don't have a, an academic degree and you try to get into the space and you try to rise through the ranks and, and you're working with very bright minds that have the education that have the the knowledge that they need to solve problems like when we talked about gut feeling and intuition they saw an engineering problem like a computer science problem they had all those computer science books knowledge in their in the at the back of their minds ready for them to to withdraw answers from and so i had to put a lot of effort into into catching up with those gaps but i i was able to achieve that because i was focusing on what i where i want to get like mm. do i want to go through on the engineering you know on the on the technical leadership path which is you know eventually getting to architect cto or should i go down or do i want to go down to the people management path which is team lead group lead the director 
R&D, VP R&D, VP engineering, et cetera. Mm. Uh, so once I settled down on the, on the path and I focus on where I want to get, I made sure that everyone around me is also clear on their goals. And if they're not clear on what they want to achieve, that's fine. Like think about it, mull it over. Next time we talk on, on, on the quarterly review or annual review, I want to make sure that my people know where they want to get. And, and again, I think it's the secret sauce that, that makes Optimum so great and, and, and good in retaining people that we understand how to help people achieve their goal while maintaining a profitable business. That's great. It's wonderful to hear. It, it sounds great, this culture that you have, the culture that you swim in. And I think this is a real good lesson for a lot of tech leaders out there as well, to really work on that culture, to allow people to grow in the direction they want to and get that yes and. You know, it's a business as well. We've got to make money. We've got to make profit. Otherwise, the organization, which I like to think of as an organism in its own right, is yeah. it needs to survive. It wants to breathe. It wants to uh, grow in its own way. Absolutely. And are there any other books that you'd like to share or maybe films that you think have been kind of instrumental in your um, your growth? There was one thing, Uncle Bob or, or Robert C. Martin. He's a veteran software engineer, one of the, the, the people who wrote the Agile Manifesto. And what was interesting, what caught my attention, I read his book my, on my first job working in, in engineering. My boss recommended that I would, I would read his book about clean code and how to write cleaner Java code. And in that book, he talked a lot about the the psychology behind writing code. You know, addressing your reader, the the human, the other human that is going to read your code, not the machine. The machine doesn't care about how you write your code. It just cares if it compiles. But the human that needs to maintain it later needs to understand the code. And and, and he talked a lot about the psychology of how you identify patterns. And and it was it was very interesting and, and inspiring to connect those dots between the very very great job that we're doing for the outside from the outside someone looks at, at you know software engineers and see them on the computers and just thinking how boring it must be but mm. with, with write code you, you can't explain it to someone who's not writing and passionate about what they're doing but you're hearing bells and whistles and you're so excited and you, you feel like so much so much emotion when your test runs or when you see your system up or when you see the production is red there there is so much drama involved in writing software and maintaining software systems in production and from the outside you just you know you see someone with like a blank face <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and, and so i think what uncle bob did was very nice and and i highly recommend people who are not faced with this um combination of, of human and uh and in and tech is he puts those two together very neatly. And he's a funny nerd that loves Star Wars, which, you know, it's hard to not get emphasized with, to be emphasized yes. with. Wow, fantastic. I love it. I'm a big reader and I've not come across either though. So I'm going to pick it. And I'm sure there's a lot of audience out there that are going to appreciate you sharing this. So it's interesting. But I love this description that you say, because I was an electronic engineer, software engineer myself in the past. And I remember those emotions, that kind of drama that ensued inside. We're tapping away on a scheme, but there's a whole there's a whole play going on, you know, and excitement and yearning and kind of uh, creativeness and dancing with whatever's here. So yeah, I totally get it. You know, thank you for sharing that. In fact, it'd be quite funny to... Uh, uh, maybe maybe some uh, creative people out there do a film where they actually show the programmer on the outside, but then show the drama of, of a story of what's going on inside, you know? Let's call Netflix right away. <laughs> yeah, here we go. You heard it here. You heard it here. So here we go. Noi, I've got a really nice question for you. Don't get this very often. I'm going to pretend to be a genie for a second, and I'm going to offer you a wish for your leadership for your company, for whatever, mm -hmm. what is what would you wish for from a tech leader perspective? And I got to think about that. 
so many. There are so many wishes. Um, but if I maybe if I narrow it down, yeah, I think I think it's kind of going back to my my first point. I really wish that I could find a way to make everyone around me curious. There is a, a downside to this wish, like every good uh, you know wish story that you wish for something, but then you find yourself you know running through the woods with arrows flying towards you. Um, yes. But um, <laughs> That analogy is from a Romanian uh, childhood story. Um, okay, right. Uh, but let's say, like, in the the wish that you make everyone around you curious is that you you will become unproductive. So it's it's a it's a dangerous wish, and you need to be able. I think as a leader, you need to always, like I said, you need to be able to to be adaptive and and agile and responsive to everything around you. Mm. But at the root of everything that I've experienced that was uncomfortable or bad or eventually didn't lead to the right results. I think not enough people were curious enough and, and, and not enough people were encouraged to ask questions and, 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 and express themselves because and we have the we're so lucky to you know to work in an industry where if you only know how to code, you can get in. It's not a, it's not an easy task, right? It's, it's, mm. it's difficult, it's challenging. Knowing how to write code well is challenging, but you don't need the right education you can come from from a background i like i've interviewed people and I've worked with people who are musicians or you know artists who felt that they're not so good in their field they felt like the, they they thought they were passionate about something like me build, trying to build spaceships and and eventually they realized okay maybe maybe i'm not that good at, at, at this area but i can take my passion and, and kind of my my intuition, my life experience and apply it to software and apply it to how we, we create grandiose things mm. with something so, so little as, you know, computer bytes. Yes, love it. You got me thinking on lots of different ways. And being a genie, I'm going to make that wish come true about curiosity, but it's artful curiosity. It's right for the moment and balancing the way it serves us all the best. Okay, so there we go. That wish is coming, coming your way, Noi. Thanks, Vicky. Thank <laughs> Fantastic. And as we come now to the closing full stop of the podcast, what's your final key takeaway for our tech leader audience out there? What would you like to leave them as a parting gift? I guess the constant thread through our conversation was agility and, and understanding there is no right or wrong. There is no healthy growth is, isn't necessarily the silver bullet that you're always looking for and hyper growth isn't either. Hmm. You know, being humble gives you the ability to to be agile and to understand that sometimes you're not right, sometimes you're wrong, and and you should listen to your your bosses, you should listen to your employees, you should listen to everyone around you because they're you're surrounded by smart people who eventually want to want you and and them to succeed. And if you're not surrounded by those people, then that's another conversation. Fantastic! What a great note to finish off. Very wise words, Noi. Thank you for being on CTO Confessions and giving us your time. Thanks for having me. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. 
wishing you all a good day or evening wherever you are in the world from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.